Welcome to Postscript, the American Society for Pharmacy Law's podcast. My name is Henry Hine, and I'll be your host today. The American Society for Pharmacy Law, ASPL, has an annual conference each fall entitled Developments in Pharmacy Law. At the conference, we focus on presentations concerning the latest and most important developments in pharmacy law each and every year. This year, we have over two dozen speakers presenting at the conference. The conference is November 3rd through 6th in Naples, Florida. Attendees can receive up to 15 hours of CE in pharmacy, law, and or both pharmacy and law. Registration for the conference is available at ASPL.org. In this podcast series, we're featuring a few of our speakers with two goals in mind. The first, we would like to understand the background of our speakers more in depth than the standard one paragraph you see in an agenda. We'd also like to know where they are in their career at this present time. Secondly, we'd like to hear a little bit of a tidbit of their presentation as they will be presenting at the conference. Today, we are honored to have as our guest, Simone Hogan Dunlap, an attorney with Corals and Brady. Thank you for joining us, Simone. I'm here, Henry. All right, we can hear you. Um, As you may have just heard, before we get to talking about your presentation, we'd like to hear about your background, if that's okay. How did you uh, get to where you are and where are you now in your professional career? Sure. I'd be delighted to share that. Um, I'm not sure it'll be of interest to folks, but um, I'm actually one of those who thought that they wanted to be a doctor when I I started out. This is what I thought I wanted to do when I was in elementary school, in high school, and in college. Um, and then I had a thought that perhaps I've always enjoyed writing and analysis and I wouldn't be able to scratch that itch, so to speak in the same way in medical school. And I started exploring alternative careers and took a career inventory and it said, it suggested strongly that I consider a career in law. So I did some informational interviews, um, and the rest is history, so so to speak. I didn't actually know I wanted to be a healthcare lawyer when I, I started down my journey as a lawyer, but as fate would have it, I discovered it, and it was the perfect marriage of my interests. I still got to practice in the health law space. A lot of the terms and the science that I enjoyed, uh, I still get to deal with that on a daily basis, but then I also get to engage in that um, writing and analysis that I enjoy as well. Wow, that sounds very interesting. The so and your undergraduate then, what did you receive as an undergraduate? I was a psychology major actually. It's very good that you get to take the healthcare side that you have an interest in and apply that in your legal practice here. So what is your practice specifically today? What what type of clients or you know fields are you in? Sure. So I grew up as a as a pharmacy lawyer um, doing 50 state surveys. Uh, appearing in front of boards of pharmacy. And then my practice started to diverge primarily because we needed people to specialize in other areas of healthcare law. Um, And I had an interest. So I started looking into privacy law and fraud, waste and abuse law. And I was very passionate about, I thought that these were really fascinating subjects, fast moving, um, very interesting. 
And I enjoyed the intersection of the two topics because often you have a privacy issue that points you in one direction, but from a fraud, waste, and abuse perspective, it just doesn't make sense. So right now my practice really straddles pharmacy, fraud, waste, and abuse, and privacy, those three major subject disciplines. They're very broad. So I focus my practice on an industry, the pharmaceutical supply chain. My clients are entities like manufacturers, wholesale distributors, of course, pharmacies, um, and then vendors to that supply chain like hubs. Really appreciate that. And it seems to me that it kind of segues right into your presentation. What is the title of your presentation coming this year? It's Double Double Toil and Trouble, Avoiding Regulatory Pitfalls Related to Thy Hub Interactions. So, and, and the term THY Hub Interactions, give us a description. What does that mean? Sure. So the presentation is really intended to focus on regulatory issues that are implicated by pharmacy interactions with hubs with a playful Shakespearean twist, hence the thigh. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Um, so how do we define in, in a healthcare sphere hubs? I mean, there, you know, somebody in a computer sphere would have a different definition of a hub than we would have right here in healthcare. So, so give us sort of a, a, a small definition of hub. Sure. Great question. So hubs aren't uh, regulated under state or federal law, but essentially what they are is um, a series of vendors that provide patient access and support services to manufacturers. Uh, and they can provide different sets of services depending on the manufacturer's need. So how does this interact with uh, fraud, abuse, and pharmacy and pharmacists and other healthcare you know, manufacturers? And how does that all fit in? So hubs, like I said, are vendors to pharma, um, but they need a, as a necessity to engage with pharmacies to make prescriptions flow more smoothly. That was really the, the first set of services that hubs were involved with, was helping with prescription reimbursement. So there are all of these interactions that hubs have with the different players in the ecosystem with prescribers, with manufacturers, with data aggregators, with pharmacies. And from a pharmacy law perspective, from a pharmacy perspective, you really have to be cognizant of what those interactions mean for you because they can have, as you noted, fraud, waste and abuse and privacy implications. So for example, if you've been asked to disclose certain information to a hub related to a patient as a pharmacy, you're a covered entity, likely you're regulated under HIPAA and state privacy laws. You need to make sure that you understand the justifications for which you, you have and you're making those disclosures. Um, otherwise, you could run afoul of regulations, and, and that's not a good place for anybody to be in. So it's nuanced. You have to understand um, the relationships, the players, how you fit into the model. Wow. So let me, let, you know, let me show my ignorance here. But uh, hypothetically, I guess, uh, let's say you're a software vendor that's not you know, a healthcare provider, but it's a software person, they're writing software. So that would be a hypothetical where you really have to make sure that they're up to speed on privacy and waste and, and the things you're talking about. Does that sort of make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I can give you another example. So if you've been asked as a pharmacy to provide services on behalf of a manufacturer and work with a hub, in addition to the privacy considerations, you also have to pay attention to fraud, waste and abuse issues. Any transfer of value between a drug manufacturer and a pharmacy 
um, is potentially implicating the federal anti-kickback statute and other fraud, waste, and abuse laws. So again, all of those transfers of value have to be considered. And sometimes those transfers of value happen in a sneaky way, you know, through an intermediary of a manufacturer like a hub. So just have to be aware of that um, and analyze all of those different flows of remuneration. I just love talking to different pharmacists or attorneys that are working in the area because some of the things are so narrow and yours is kind of broad in a way, but it's very narrow in a way too. <laughs> you know, it's very unique. It's really awesome. Any trends or any, you know, where it's been and how it's going or any feeling in that direction? Yeah, I can, I'd be happy to give you a snapshot. So Hubs really started um, in the specialty pharmacy space and they started in a very particular way where they were involved in moving a prescription from a prescriber's office to a pharmacy. Um, and that was one iteration of the model. But over time, you know, different manufacturers have come to market with very particular needs for different drugs. And so the model has evolved and there's all sorts of different iterations of it in the market currently. And one of the most fascinating trends for me is the move of hubs outside of the specialty pharmacy space and into mainstream, what I'll call mainstream um, drugs, because there are various drug manufacturers that want to, for different business reasons, have additional patient support services available for patients that may be using their products. So I think that's one of the more fascinating trends that we're seeing right now. Very exciting to hear. I'm excited to, to see your presentation coming up uh, at the conference. Let me ask you if you'd like to go ahead and share your contact information with our listeners, um, possibly email or phone or LinkedIn. Would you be willing to do that? Of course, I'd be delighted to do that. Um, so the best way to probably get a hold of me is my email. It's simone.colgandunlap um, at quarrels, Q-U-A-R-L-E-S.com. Or my phone number is 602-229-5510. We really look forward to seeing you at the conference. And with that being said, uh, let me thank our listeners for listening to Postscript today, the American Society for Pharmacy Law's podcast. Our fall conference, Developments in Pharmacy Law, is November 3rd through 6th in Naples, Florida. To see the agenda and or register for the conference, please go to ASPL.org. This is Henry Hine, your host. Thank you for listening today.